0: Welcome to the Tiny Tales Podcast, Episode 6. And this episode is a fantasy special. There's just going to be one story, nearly 40 minutes long, and that is called The Raven Major Bramble Nook. The author is a gentleman called Jonathan Bush, who's 29, living in Maidstone in the UK, originally from Oldham in Greater Manchester. And he is the author behind the Stormbringer trilogy. He grew up reading Terry Pratchett's Discworld series Expect a Good Sense of Humour. So, The Raven Mage of Bramble is a tale of thirst for power, woe and revenge. Enjoy! Chapter 1. The Raven Mage of Bramble In the highest room in the tallest tower of the wizard spires of Bramble perches the Raven Mage. He shifts and he writhes around frantically, uncertain of the time of day or time of year. The avian side of his now haunted mind never giving him the clarity or permission to know such human exigencies. The darkened room of the high spire lay in chaotic ruin. Even the window was boarded up with only a few high beams of light shining in through a small break, enough to drive a constant thirst for freedom through the raven's heart. Large black feathers lay across the floor, along with the odd patch of blood, from the mad mage's desperate bid to end his misery. Occasionally the ebony mage of madness would descend from his perch to the dusty floor below, a floor now covered with debris and open books from the curved shelves that lined the walls of the circular room. Glass glittered around the chamber like fallen diamonds, even over the painted ritual circle, and heaped around bones that lay sporadically gathering cobwebs. A mage's claws shuffled through the loose pages that had been torn from the once respected tomes as they littered the ground. A nest perhaps, some form of attempt at a habitat. No, the madness of a tethered soul. Occasionally as the giant bird kicked and paraded through the pages of text, something would catch his large black eye. His head would turn to the side and he would blink as all birds do, and he would think or at least he would remember times of his old life would momentarily rush through his mind like the feeling of wind beneath his feathers, something that the avian side of his mind craved more than anything else. The two halves of his damaged mind fought for supremacy and often the will of the winged one won. A constant and agonizing mental battle waged a war behind his eyes one that would have driven the mage psychotic in its more human days. The mad mage's large heavy blue cloak still hung from around the bird's shoulders, clasped with a brooch from augury city. In the centre, a comforting form of shackles and dragged along the floor in tatters around his tail feathers. The raven mage came to look upon himself in the shattered glass of the mirror of his prison, and let out a soft sigh. "Cra!" gurgled the raven at, th- at the displeasing reflection of a man-sized bird that met him. Ashamed of the visage he now held and the iron chain that tethered him to his perch. His large claws scraped at the ground gouging out trenches of wood from the floor causing more of his feathers to fall loosely shimmering with a blue iridescence as they did as the feathers fell, one landed with a deafening thud in the Raven Mange's mind. And for a moment that fell like an age. It took him back to a time before the darkness, a time before the talons. Carrigan Call began his life working in the newspaper stand in the lower eastern side of Augury City, capital of the pharaohs. The boy worked and he worked hard, always thirsty for adventure. "'and have a new challenge to better himself with. "'The days came and went, the moon shone, "'and the stars glittered in the velvet darkness of the sky. "'Carrigan Corr sat against the tomorrow's newspapers "'that were bound tightly with string, "'completely in wanderlust, as he imagined a life "'that didn't leave his feathers black with ink. "'What's this then?' said Carrigan Corr to himself, "'softly under the twilight veil of starlight.' Something printed under the headline of tomorrow's newspaper pile caught the hopeful's attention. There, printed in large black script, sat an advertisement for the Lyceum of Magic in preparation for Exception Day that was but a few months away. Carrigan's eyes scanned across the advertisement, and his face lit up with wonder. Never had something set such a fire burning within him, within him as it finally found his calling. As if he'd finally found his destiny. Destiny has a funny way of presenting itself, doesn't it? Carrigan Cor untied the spring, the string that bound the paper, held it out in front of himself, to catch the moonlight and taken as much of the information as he could feast his eyes on. The poster read Lyceum of Magic Exemption Day. Potential positions of potency. Do you ever feel like a paper bag drifting through the wind, wanting to start again? Do you know that there's still a chance for you? Because there's a spark in you. At least we hope so. Magic born or not, all are welcome at the Lyceum. Come and prove yourself. No journalists. Apply within. It was a whirlwind of excitement as the next few months passed by. Merryweather crossed over into Everspring as Carrigan Cor was accepted into the Lyceum of Magic during their exemption day. Promotion and promptly became the top of his class. One rather blustery afternoon, rather too blustery for a cheerful Everspring lunchtime, a stranger whom Carrigan Cor had noticed from time to time lurking here and there around the wall grounds of the Lyceum came to speak to the young man. Mistaking the rather suspicious individual for a groundskeeper, Carrigan Corr paid him no attention as they crossed paths, and Carrigan's shoulder accidentally pushed into him as they crossed paths. Oh sorry, said Carrigan, as he continued onwards, his eyes never leaving the path. You don't want to say that, came the rather late reply of the cloaked man, as he stood still on the path, facing away from the paper boy. Excuse me? Is that a threat, groundskeeper? snapped Carrigan, the arrogance of his own excellence smashing its way through his teeth and out of his silly mouth. The stranger turned around his dusty cloak flowing around his feet like fog and lowered his hood to reveal a long jet black beard and hair that shimmered with a blue iridescence. You don't want to say that do you? Apologise, no you are too far great for that I know. I know it, these insubordinates know it, and more importantly you know it, laughed the stranger. As a blackened feather fell from within his cloak, the stranger looked down at the feather as it shimmered in the sunlight and coughed something awful. Not long now, he whispered to himself thoughtfully, his eyes shifted back to the carrigan, who was looking a little bewildered, on the path of the Lyceum's Gardens. Who are you? asked Carrigan as he approached the old fellow with caution. The paper boy dipped the fingers of his right hand into a pot of honey that lay attached to his belt to the side of his robe. An incantation began to softly escape from Carrigan's lips causing his fingers to emanate a bright violet light that swirled around his hand and dispersed in a glittery mist. "'Ah, you aren't magic-born, I see. "'Still using the old honey trick, aye?' sneered the stranger with a venomous twang, "'sniggering that the boy needed to use the honey trick "'to avoid his hands being burnt from magic use. "'I don't need to be magic-born "'to learn the art of spellcraft, old fool. "'I attend the Lyceum. "'I will learn everything that I need to right here,' "'snarled Carrigan, "'who grew impatient with the old fool's rudeness. "'Not everything, Carrigan core. I can change things. I can make you a creature of pure magic if you're interested, that is. The virulent violent light began to disappear from the apprentice mage's hand, as Carrigan wiped his fingers on his robe to remove the sticky honey. A paper boy looked around the gardens at the wizards performing party tricks, summoning illusions, and conjuring small ethereal creatures, amateurs. Carrigan knew he was meant for bigger things. These idiots of the Lyceum could stay here and become lame for all he cared. Show me, demanded Carrigan Cor, as he wiped some sweat from his upper lip. Whatever it takes, show me. As you wish, Carrigan Corr, as you wish. The path to becoming a raven mage is as long as it is difficult. I'm sure, however, you have the willpower to see the process through, the stranger chuckled. I will do it in half the time, responded Carrigan sharply. Not three short nights since this su- surprise encounter had Carrigan left the walls of the Lyceum by secrecy of moonlight, begun his journey of the un- untold arcane t- outwards into the glump. Days passed, weeks turned to months and months to years until finally, after a decade of seemingly redundant quests and summonings. Carrigan Cor and the stranger, whom he'd now come to know as Grimlock, Graywart of Sorrowhome, a seasoned warlock of the macabre, came to the quiet city of Bramblenook. Carrigan and Grimlock entered a tavern, a quiet little place in the centre of town, sat upon chairs in the front of a roaring fire, fashioned with empty flagons that hung upon the fireplace. Grimlock took down two wooden flagons from the hooks above the the fire and beckoned for a serving girl to come fill them. With flagons full, Grimlock began the story of the Raven Mage. The story drifted off into the darkened hours of the evening as the fire settled down into smouldering embers that occasionally popped outwards in displays of amber and gold. Grimlock explained the legend of the Raven Mages those who were not magic born but could become a natural master of the arcane in exchange for a terrible curse, to become a raven by night, to be wild and unthinking, the, act opposite, the exact opposite of what a stubborn mage strives to be. The morning arrived with a sharp banging to the senses, knocking to be exact, from beneath the knuckles of one rather hopeful young apprentice. Carrigan's bloodshot and hungover eyes opened slowly and painfully to the noisy disturbance. What? Who are you? Raps- rasped Carrigan as he lay face down on a table, surrounded by empty flagons of the night before. Polytherus Periwinkle, Mr. Carrigan, sir, announced the apprentice as he introduced himself with an extended hand that was not shaken by one hungover mage. Carrigan Corr wiped sticky honey residue from his fingers across the table, a sorry reminder of using magic for cheap parlor tricks during a night of drinking. Corr hesitated, then extended his hand. Corr, Carrigan Corr, said Carrigan, breathing heavy through his hung hangover. What kind of name is Polytherus Periwinkle? Sounds like a trendy cocktail. Ha! Not a real name at all, is it? remarked Carrigan rudely. "'Polytherus Periwinkle straightened out his robe and collar "'and then flicked some hair to one side "'and composed himself in front of his new master. "'Most people call me Polly, Mr. Corr,' said a rather proud Polly. "'Right, Polly it is then, I suppose. "'Has Grimlock informed you of my quest? "'Are you certain of your role? "'You are to assist me in whatever task I need assistance with. "'You will not question me. "'You will not argue.' with me and you will not ever disobey me understood snapped Cor, as he drank the remnants of a flagon's content polly huffed then remember why he was here to be trained as a mage even if it meant training under this, this self-indulgent lunatic yes mr Cor," smiled polly through a gritted smile very well said Cor, as he began to stand to his shaking feet and straighten himself out this is bramble nook home of the famous wizard spires. We will make our home within the tallest tower. I've been given a key, so make yourself useful and take my bags and books up there. Drop them and I'll drop you, sneered Cor, before throwing it with force to his apprentice, who just about caught it in between his fumbling hands. As days passed by, Cor and Polly became settled into their room in the tallest spire of Bramble Nook. Cor was sat with his feet up, picking some dirt out from beneath his fingernails with a pocket knife as Polly the apprentice began very carefully placing his his master's books onto the shelves that lined the walls of the circular room. Polly's hand slipped slightly as a book almost fell from his fingers. Be careful with that Polly or so help me I'll reduce you to cinders, spat Cor, as he stabbed his knife into the chair in a fit of rage. Sorry, Mr. Corr, sighed Polly, who over the few days he'd known his master had come to resent him and his bitterness and slave master type teaching methods. Polly's eyes came to settle on one ancient grimoire that caught his attention and caught him to make a note in his mind. Mr. Corr, Polly began to say, where does your grimoire of summoning 18 nippled flom, flomp and guffs go? I can't seem to find where... He continued before the glass window blew in, sending a forceful storm of glass shards into the library, causing both master and apprentice to shield themselves. A violent gale blew around the room, causing books to fall freely from their shelving. Torn pages, wood splinters and glass were sent circling around the chamber in a vortex of chaos and ferocity as a darkened figure began to materialise in the centre of the maelstrom. Preceded by a shower of black feathers. Corr looked up from behind his hands "'and sn- snarled and then smiled. "'Grimlock, what a pleasant surprise. "'But please, less of the theatrics next time, old man. "'Understand?' smiled Cor through a frown. "'Always so pleasant, my lad, aren't you?' "'came the as gravel voice of Grimlock "'as a blackened feather fell from his robes. "'Listen, Carrigan, I need you to send your apprentice out "'for a few errands. "'I need to speak with you in private.' While back in Sorrow Home, I have unearthed some rather interesting information regarding the Raging Maeve transformation. Cor nodded and patted Grimlock on the arm firmly. He turned to Polly, who had returned to stacking what books had not been ruined from Grimlock's entrance, and squinted. Cor walked to his table of study over broken glass and paper, and using a quill and ink quickly scribbled down some essentials for Polly to collect from the Bramble and market. Polly, take to the market, procure me these items, ask no questions, and return them to me after sundown. Do not return until after dusk. Tonight I teach you your first piece of spellcraft. Be ready, said Cor, rudely. Polly looked down at the note. Eggs, two bottles of whisky, flaming puff milk three pots of honey spider sack venom lip gloss troll fat Polly scanned the shopping list top to bottom and just as his mouth opened to question the lip gloss he remembered what his master had said ask no questions if Polly was going to become a mage he had to do what was required of him even if that included providing his master with lip gloss and whiskey I will be back around dusk, Mr. Corr, with the items on the list, said Polly as he straightened his robe. The young apprentice swip, swiped up a gold pouch from the table and folded up the note, which was then tucked up in his robe. The apprentice opened the door to the staircase that led down to the bottom of the tower and began to leave. Polly, came the voice of Carrigan. Yes, Mr. Corr, answered Polly respectfully. Don't forget the lip gloss. Got it? Got it. Polly trundled through the hustle and bustle of the busy Brambledon Market, met by a vast array of races and tamed beasts. You do not find these kinds of people in Pendle, thought Polly to himself. The young and hopeful apprentice walked through the crowds of people and allowed his concentration to be swayed by a croak merchant selling crystal rich sand from Frog Belge Cove. The frog-like merchant's bulbous eyes squinted in suspicion as he clocked Polly watching, then bared his rotten teeth. "'Ugh, sorry,' explained Polly, as he had accidentally barged into the shoulder of a knight in some prestigious-looking armour. We didn't seem too bothered by the encounter. "'Sorry, sir, knight, my apology, my apology,' mumbled Polly, as he continued through the market, straightening himself out as he went. "'Not at all, old bean, don't mention it, my boy,' came the distant shout of the bearded knight." as he disappeared into the crowd of the market, reading the local paper. Polly's day continued as the sun began to lay its head to rest, and over the course of the day, managed to buy and barter the items on Carrigan's list, including the lip gloss. A young apprentice came across the local Bramble newspaper, whose headline rang out about the fear of dragon attacks. Dragon attacks, whispered Polly, they haven't been around for decades, he pondered. The sight of the newspaper triggered something in Polly's head, as it used to be his master's profession as a young lad. The thought of his carrigan and his marminous infuriated him. It caused the young man's fist to clench. Breathe, Polytherus, just breathe. This will all be worth it, he whispered to himself, after a long, drawn-out, exhaled breath. Magic is the end goal here, whatever it takes, lip gloss and all. Polly began his slow and peaceful journey back to the wizard's spire. The evening was setting in and the air was cool with the occasional comforting warm breeze. The merchants had packed up their stalls and were chatting between themselves in the dim glow of their candles, sharing coffee and wine, basking in the spiced aroma of the incense they were burning from each other's stalls. Polly took his time and enjoyed the atmosphere of a quiet bramble nook at dusk. The sun was almost set behind the wizard's spires, which made for a comforting spectacle. One that would be the last comforting thing before he returned to his master and that old dog Grimlock. The apprentice ascended the staircase to the spire, with satchels that hung over his shoulder and down by his side. Sweat dripped from his forehead as he made his way up. The many misshapen steps that led to his master's chambers. He reached for the key and i almost always put it in the keyhole when he heard the murmurs of his master and Grimlock, Polly. He placed his ear to the door and concentrated on the hardly recognisable words. It's taking too long, Grimlock, whispered Cor. There has to be a way. There has to be a way to speed this up. I want the power. I want natural magic. I grow tired of having to carry these damp pots of honey around and having sticky fingers all the time. It is not my idea of fun. Me and you have very different ideas of fun then, chuckled Grimlock. You're a stubborn mage, Carrigan Core. Perhaps you were the wrong choice for such an alteration. The sound of fighting could be heard from inside the chamber, of men pushing and punching, of chairs breaking and blood being shed. Grimlock laughed in a sinister tone. Maybe you do have the right amount of greed in your heart for such a process, but heed my words, Carrigan Cor. for if you choose the quicker path, the forked path, there will come at a terrible consequence, sneered Grimlock. Whatever it takes, old man, whatever it takes I will do, submitted Carrigan, who huffed in exhaustion. Very well, agreed Grimlock, becoming a raven mage is the process of giving up some of your humanity, in return for the gift of natural magic. We lose a small part of our humanity by allowing the deity known as Hafran to curse us, to transmogrify us into a raven and join his eternal unkindness. The metamorphosis opens up a channel within us to receive natural magic, but at the cost of but at the cost of becoming the wild untamed beast of the sky every night, explained Grimlock. This process can take a long time, my boy. The natural loss of humanity can take some time, even until your old life. He sneered, looking at his wrinkled hands. There has to be a way to do it quicker. I cannot wait until the final days before the grave, panicked Carrigan. Just how far will you go to obtain that which you desire, Carrigan? called? How much of your humanity are you willing to? To lose, to receive the gift of the Hachan? Questioned Grimlock, his mouth almost salivating for the answer. Carrigan Cor dropped to his knees with his head hung low, silent and in contemplation. Slowly, his head began to raise until his broken gaze met that of Grimlock's. All of it, said Carrigan, clenching his fists. Grimlock circled the willfully broken core and placed a withered hand complete with elongated fingernails upon his shoulder Sacrifice the boy tomorrow as the moons ignite the gift of flesh and death will please Hafran friend to no end he will grant you your gift at the cost of your humanity explained Grimlock his sharpened yellow teeth exposing themselves in the darkness of the room ''I must change his mind,'' thought Polly. ''I must make him see sense. ''I must make him see that he is better than this, that he is a good man underneath it all,'' the boy whispered to himself. The key turned in the door and Polly walked in, complete with satchels and pouches around his waist. Carrigan was still on the floor, with Grimlock's hand on his shoulder, who promptly removed his grip. ''Is everything OK in there?'' asked Polly with a smile. Everything is fine, Polly. I tripped. The master Grimlock was merely helping me up, answered Cor, looking up to Grimlock for support. Weren't you? That is right, young one. I'm merely here to help, smiled Grimlock. Polly smiled. I got your lip gloss, master Cor," said Polly politely. Lip gloss? Lip gloss? questioned Grimlock as he looked to Cor. My lips get dry and I like the shine, said Cor quietly. Grimlock and Polly... Both looked at each other and shrugged. Not the strangest thing that could have been on a lonely man's shopping list, I suppose. The next day approached and Polly prepared himself for the thing that had kept him awake the night before. Everything will be fine, Polly, thought to himself. Everything will be fine. Carrigan Corr awoke on his sleeping roll to find Polly looking through the same grimoire on the shelf. Taking in the instructions within. Then putting it back in place, the apprentice carried on his morning routine of dusting the spellbooks, making sure the things that weren't completely damaged were kept in pristine condition. Anything take your eye in there, boy? Came the groggy voice of Carrigan, as the unpleasant aroma of old whiskey and strawberry lip, lip gloss flooded the room. Flooded the room. No, not really, Master Corse said Polly. I wouldn't know how to practice the spell correctly anyway. You see. A page is missing. No doubt it was damaged when Grimlock made his unwelcome appearance, sighed Polly, as he removed the grimoire to show his master, then put it back again. Carrigan call looked rough, really rough. His eyes had darkened and his lips were pale and dry, no doubt for the amount of whisky he'd been drinking lately, as the stress of his decision had been weighing on him. Carrigan fumbled around the belongings next to his bedding, and looked for his lip gloss, to soothe his hungover, desert-like desert-like lips. Polly, have you seen my uh, my lip gloss anywhere? Coughed Carrigan. Cor, no, sorry, sir, I haven't. Apologised Polly. Who shook his head side to side. Very well said Carrigan, who would begun to stand, rather unsteadily, and attempted to dress himself. The stubborn mage had just about clothed himself as a blustery wind blew through the now-destroyed window, signalling signalling the arrival of Grimlock. Grimlock welcomed Carrigan with a nod. Carrigan call. Polytherus Periwinkle acknowledged Grimlock with a slight nod as blackened feathers began to fall from the air. Apprentice Periwinkle, would you be interested in joining myself and Master Call tonight? to learn some rather destructive magic, asked Grimlock with a venomous smile. Destructive magic, replied Polly, rather confused. I thought destructive magic was advanced. I've hardly even learnt the basics yet. I know one one spell. That's, That's it, a simple levitation spell, the young apprentice panicked. Where did you learn that, inquired Cor. You got drunk the night you were meant to teach me. I took it upon myself to learn a basic spell. It's nothing, really. I probably can't do it right anyway. Hmm, pondered Cor. Okay. The day once more transcended into the twilight veil of midnight, and Polly made sure he dressed smart. He knew there would be trouble tonight, if only he could make his master see sense. I know I can do this, he thought to himself. I will change my master's mind. He will follow the path of an honest mage once more. Polly ascended the never-ending staircase that led up to his master's chambers. He stood patiently behind the wooden door and breathed deeply. Never had he been in such a situation like this. He would make sure the right thing was done. Polly's knuckles were inches from the door when it opened before him. The young apprentice's fist still held in the air as his eyes bore witness to the scene that lay ahead. The room was cold, deathly cold even though the window had been boarded up. The candles had been lit upon the windowsill, on the empty spaces of the bookshelves and upon the ground. Polly walked in, his heart in his throat, as he gazed upon his master and Grimlock. The two individuals stood with necklaces around their throats, fashioned with bones and raven feathers. Cor and Grimlock stood in the centre of a large ritualist pattern that had been scribed on the wooden floor in what looked and smelt like thick human blood. The ritual circle had candles upon the outer circle of the pattern and in the centre between both men was a raven skull. The skull was large the size of a crow's and turned upside down. ''Come, Polytherus!'' laughed Kerrigan as he beckoned his apprentice over. ''Come and fulfil your destiny!'' What is this? panicked Polly. What's going on here? Oh, and I found your lip gloss. As if that matters right now, said the young apprentice, as he threw the lip gloss over to his master, who caught it in a gloved hand. Carrigan applied his bizarre lip gloss and smiled. The man had grown to become somewhat of an oddity. My boy, my boy, smiled Carrigan. The time for me to become that which I was born to be has come. Why wait my entire life to be a raven mage when I can simply kill you and become one now? You see, I think this has been the plan all along. I think your entire life you've been a pathetic apprentice to someone in some way. Your entire life has ultimately been leading you up to you dying for someone else. So pathetic, so you, you see, Carrigan began to explain as he removed a large serrated knife from within his robe, with beads and feathers hanging from its hilt. Once I plunge the dagger into you and drain your blood into this skull over here, I will drink it. When I drink it, the gift of your flesh will appease Huffran, the raven god, and in turn, he will thank me. He will make me new. He will make me magic-born, Kerrigan began to laugh maniacally. I have come to change destiny, said Polly fearfully. You don't have to do this, Master Cor. You're better than this evil. Let us think no more of this, pleaded Polly. I wish I was sorry, Polly, sighed Carrigan. In an almost sy- sympathetic tone, the door slammed shut behind the apprentice, and he turned to find Grimlock guarding it, his eyes completely black and his fingernails long and sharp. The old warlock placed an incantation upon the door that only he could remove. The young apprentice ran, unfortunately straight into the grasp of Carrigan. Hold still, screamed Carrigan call, holding his apprentice by the back of his short blond hair. The sacrificial dagger was raised high into the darkened room and glinted from the candlelight. The ritualistic pattern on the floor began to glow red, hungry for the blood it was about to receive. As the screams of ravens echoed, and flooded the room. I only learned one spell, whimpered Polly, as he saw his life flash before his eyes. Levitation is nothing to be proud of, you maggot, spat Carrigan, while his hair began to blow around violently from some magical force within the room. Polly's face of absolute fear began to drop slightly, and for a moment, was replaced by a suspre- suppressed smile, and a piece of spell parchment fell from within his robes. Not levitation, Master Cor. Constriction, smiled Polly. What? Screamed Carrigan. In the blink of an eye, his Periwinkle jabbed his fingers into a satchel of honey he had upon his belt, and quickly screened the incantation to construct, to constrict his former master. Carrigan, dropped to the floor heaving and struggling for breath as if some iron chain was wrapped around his body, contorting him down to a ball upon the ground. How could you, how could you, screamed Carrigan, as he began to violently spit blood from his mouth as a destructive spell began to snap at his bones. It's a shame Carrigan. it truly, truly is only one of us will be the next Raven Mage and unfortunately it isn't going to be you, laughed Polly as his grip tightened, causing Kerrigan to scream uncontrollably in pain. Carrigan managed to run his fingers through some dipped honey that had fallen next to him. Not enough to practice magic safely but enough to free himself from the constriction spell. Garve Kavaresh, groaned Kerrigan as a spell burst forth from his lips and burnt the parts of his hand not covered by honey. The freeing of the supernatural chain sent a shockwave outward, knocking Polly into the glass mirror on the opposite side of the room. Carrigan stood to his feet and wiped some blood from his mouth. Do you really think you can cripple me with your apprentice-level magic, Polytherus? You really are as stupid as you, Luke, laughed Carrigan. No, replied Polly. But the spider-sack venom I dipped upon your lip gloss might just about do it. The apprentice smiled. No, no, this can't be, cried Carrigan as his lips and mouth became black and full of visible veins and sores that began to spread around his cheeks. The one, the once hopeful paperboy of Augury City fell to his knees and began to vomit blackened bile from his guts. "'You always were a stubborn fool,' Carrigan Corr,' smiled Polly, now hungry for the blessing of the raven mage as well. Polly picked up the sacrificial knife from the ground, and paced towards his old master, ''Now hold still, won't you?'' Polythyrus Periwinkle took the knife and struck as hard as, the, as he could into Carrigan's throat, allowing a waterfall of blood to cascade from the wound. Carrigan could only gurgle in agony as Polly struck again and again and again. Grimlock looked on surprised, surprised that Carrigan's head was still somehow attached to his shoulders, even if, if it was only now by a sinewy thread. Polly threw the knife to the side as blood dripped from it with one hard pull. Polly removed Carrigan's head and allowed the thick, crimson blood to pour into the large raven skull in the ritual circle. Yes, came the ghostly voice of Grimlock. Drink, drink and become magic born. Drink and accept the raven into your heart. Polly lifted the skull and poured it over his mouth, drinking the thick, and once life-giving blood of carrigan core the old apprentice dropped the skull to the ground and wiped the blood from his lips heaving as he did i have done it grimlock i have done as was required now give me the gift give me the gift to be magic born by day and raven by night oh my child the deal was for carrigan to lose his humanity and i suppose you took that from him instead her friend is pleased but the deal is broken Two birds, one stone. The gift of the raven is yours for the rest of your days. No, screamed Polly. I did everything. That isn't fair. I did everything, Master. With a wave of a withered hand, Grimlock summoned an iron chain to shackle the apprentice's foot to a pipe. And then ran up the side of the wall and outwards. Polly pulled at it erratically as his fingers began to shed their flesh and elongate into feathers. And his bones began to snap and contort. A beak began to stretch its way out of Polly's mouth, smashing out his teeth in a spray of crimson, snapping the flesh that stretched with it. Blessings of Hafran be with you, Polytherus Periwinkle. Your gift of flesh pleases me, smiled Afran, who had been masquerading as the old warlock Grimlock all along, and promptly shifted down to a standard sized ra- raven. "'and scooped up the sacrificial dagger in his claws, "'then escaped through a gap in the boarded-up window. "'No, no!' screamed Polly, "'whose body grew and transformed agonisingly "'as the skin began to tear from his body and grow feathers. "'Polly grabbed one of Carrigan's old cloaks, "'lay close to him, threw it around his shoulders "'in an attempt to keep warm as his clothes shed "'and his body changed, "'until finally his transformation was complete. "'There,' In the high wizard spire of Bramblenoke lived a creature tethered by iron and tethered by his body. The beast did not hunger, it did not sleep. It simply existed, full of rage and unbound hatred for magic and those that had wronged him. The once-human polytherous periwinkle who'd lived a life so pure and kind fell to the greed of power only moments before his de- demise. Her friend promised one hopeful mage the chance to give up their humanity in return for becoming a creature of magic and he did just that as the years went by the legend of the raven Major of nook began to travel around the humble city by the young and the old who had all at one point heard the shriek of the raven at midnight greed and power do terrible things to those who want it and even worse to those who think they do not so when next you see a raven tip a hat as the Glumpians do, in respect to those who've fallen and to those who've taken flight. The end.